We are coming up on a big political year. Uh, this coming year, 2024, the election of our next president. And these, these big political years often remind me uh, and make me feel politically homeless. You know, perhaps you feel this way sometimes as a Catholic. There's not really any political party, especially of the two main ones, you know, Democrat, Republican, that really line up with fully with our faith. You know, especially when it comes to some of the most important things of our faith, for example, the sacredness of life. Neither the Democrats nor the Republicans hold that life is sacred from conception until, the, until natural death. Uh, but other, other areas too, you know, things like uh, treatment of the least of these, uh, welcoming immigrants, welcoming strangers into our country, or caring for the poor, or when it comes to things like marriage, how we define marriage. Or support of marriage and the family. These are all things that we come up in conflict with, you know, when it comes to politics in our country. And especially we're going to see these things brought to great prominence this coming year. And so it's kind of uncomfortable for us sometimes in some ways, for us as Catholics, because, you know, you've got to make decisions and the like, and things don't quite line up. We feel kind of homeless in a way. Politically, we don't fully align with any one particular party. So then, if that's the case, and this is going to be the climate that we're entering into in the next few months and kind of already beginning to tiptoe into, uh, how do you respond when you're being asked to be, you know, to buy in, 100% buy in into this party or that party, you know, all the different controversies and the different arguments and the conflicts that are going to come about? What should you do? How should you respond to that? What should you say? We've got a great gospel today. Uh, to think about this and to contemplate this, because this is exactly the situation that our Lord was in in this gospel that you just heard today from Matthew chapter 22. We have these different parties who are vying to use him, to use our, our Lord and his influence on others, you know, for their means to, uh, you know, move forward their agendas. And you might not see this at first if you don't quite understand kind of the context of what's going on in this passage. So we have, really, there's three groups that this passage refers to in Matthew 22. So uh, it mentions the Pharisees that come up to Jesus. And all these folks are going to kind of trap him in his words, right? So it mentions the Pharisees. Who are the Pharisees? Well, the Pharisees are those that really focused on the law, studying, you know, the Torah especially, and the other scriptures. Okay, the scribes, this is the Pharisees. These are when the temple would collapse in the year 70. It would be the party of the Pharisees who would come to greatest prominence within the Jewish people. There's no more temple to go to, and so the focus was completely on the law. This is a group that was vying for power. Uh, they came up to our Lord uh, to try to entrap him. Then there was another group that's mentioned here called the Herodians. Who are the Herodians? Well, the Herodians were those who cared for, maintained, and kept the temple. These were the priests. They were called the Herodians because that temple at the time of our Lord was built by Herod. Herod wanted to kind of buy the Jewish people, in a way, to get their political allegiance. And so one of the ways that he tried to do this was by building the temple for them. Put a great deal of money into it. It took decades to build this temple. And because of this, many of the Jewish people, especially the temple priests, and those they had influence over, were loyal to Herod because of this. They were called the Herodians. So in our gospel today, Matthew 22, we hear about these Herodians who are coming to the Lord. And then there's a third group. It's not mentioned by name, but they're very strongly inferred by this question 
that's being brought up to the Lord. Should we pay taxes to Caesar? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Uh, this is, of course, is a pretty big political item. Even today, how much taxes you should pay and the like. Well, that's nothing new. So this goes way back there. But the big question is that they're asking here about whether it's not as lawful to pay taxes to Caesar points to this third political movement within Judaism called the Zealots. The Zealots taught that you should not pay taxes to Caesar. Who are the Zealots? Well, the Zealots were started by a, a guy by the name of uh, Judas the Galilean. And their political base, their platform, you know, what they believed was that, you know, that Caesar, Herod, any of these, you know, folks that bowed to the Romans, they weren't the actual real leaders. They weren't the true leaders. And that they should not be given any allegiance. They should not be paid taxes to, even. This is the position of the zealots. And the zealots moved to try to influence the, Jew, the, the Jewish people to push back against these secular leaders. They said, we're God's people. We don't pay taxes to people who are not, you know, our true leaders. So they pushed back. This would eventually cause you know, a few different uprisings. One which was savagely crushed by Rome in the year 70. When the temple was destroyed, thousands of Jews were massacred, crucified. This was due to the movement of the zealots pushing back against Rome, against Roman leadership. But the zealots said, you should not pay taxes to Caesar. So you got these three groups, these three political parties that are represented, trying to sway Jesus different ways, trying to get him to answer this question. So here's Jesus, you know, and, uh, and, and how is he supposed to respond to this? If he says, yes, you should pay taxes to Caesar, you know, who wants to, who wants to be told that they need to be paying taxes to this enemy-like figure? People aren't going to be happy about this. Uh, if he says, no, you shouldn't pay taxes to Caesar, this is going to be seen as uh, basically political suicide. You've got an influential person who's undermining the local government. It's not going to go over so well to be a zealot, right? So our, how does our Lord respond? He's trying, there's these groups, they're trying to pull him in to support their cause or to contradict someone else's cause in one way or another to move forward these different agendas. How does he respond? What does he do? His response is very instructive for me and for you. Because especially during this upcoming year, there's different political parties that are going to want to pull you in. They want to get your full buy-in into these different ways of, of beliefs, these different systems. How should you respond? It's very helpful to look to the Lord. To look to the Lord and see how he responded to this situation. And then also to ask why he responded to this situation. Then to take that and use it in your own life. How should you respond when you're getting pulled in? Why should you respond in the same way that the Lord responded? So what did the Lord do? And we can talk about why he did what he did. How did he respond? He simply said, give to Caesar. What is Caesar? Like, Show me a coin, right? You can see the coin who, you know, this kind of shows you kind of who's in charge, at least the local government. Show me a coin, you know, our coins, we got the United States stamped on them. So who's in charge? This is making clear who's in charge. Well, local, you know, Caesar's in charge right now. He says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. But that doesn't mean God's not in charge, right? God's still in charge. Also give to God what is God's. Whether you like it or not, whether it's lawful or not, you look in the Torah, does it say anything about in the Jewish law system 
about paying taxes to Caesar, to these secular entities? No. But whether you like it or not, the guy's in charge. And that means that you've got to pay him taxes. You're not paying taxes to Caesar. It's going to cause major issues. It's going to cause major problems. You stop paying your taxes, it's not good, right? So this is a serious thing. So our Lord says, you know, you've got to pay taxes to Caesar. Who you're giving taxes to shows your allegiance, right? You're submitting yourself to that person. You're submitting yourself to a particular government. This is why we give tithes, you know? This is, Jesus said, not only do you give um, taxes to Caesar, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but then give to God's what is God's. So, you know, as people, as members of the kingdom of God, we also give tithes to the church, to the Catholic church, saying that we understand this entity, this kingdom, to be that which is established by God. So we're submitting ourselves to that. So our Lord says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God's what is God's. What is he doing when he's saying this? What he's doing is he's not selling himself over to any one political party. He's not allowing himself to get pulled in to the zealots, to the Pharisees, to the Herodians, none of these. Uh, They're not able to use him for their agendas. They're not able to, you know, pull him in. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. You got to pay taxes and the like. Uh, Our Lord's practical, but he's not allowing himself to be used politically, being pulled into these various controversies. This is the example, right, for you and for me. The next question then is, why? Why didn't he allow himself to be used? What was kind of the foundation of this? And what's the foundation for you as we're moving into this political year? You know, why should you not allow yourself to be fully bought by a particular political party? Well, for starters, it doesn't matter who gets elected this coming year, ultimately. Because we know, as members of the kingdom of God, that God, no matter who's elected, God is in charge. And he can use anybody who's sitting in that Oval Office. It doesn't matter. This is the truth. This is what our Lord Jesus knew. This is what you and I know. This is what we heard about in our first reading today. I don't know if you caught it or not. So it's Isaiah 45. And it says, it talks about this pagan king, Cyrus, who God uses. Cyrus is, uh, you know, he's the king of the Persian people. He took over the Babylonian Empire. He's being called in Isaiah 45, God's anointed one. That, the anointed, that means that's Christ, basically. When we say Jesus Christ, we're talking about Jesus, God's anointed one. Christ is the Greek word for anointed one. This is what he's calling Cyrus. And he goes on, he says, Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus. He's a pagan king. He's not, a, he's not one of the people of God, per se. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped, to subdue nations before him and ungird the loins of kings. So here is, he's saying, like, I'm going to use Cyrus to do my will. He says, I've grasped his right hand, meaning Cyrus thinks he's in charge, but really it's God who is in charge, to subdue nations before him. Cyrus is going to do my will. This is what God is saying. This is what we know from Scripture, from our tradition, of all political leaders. You know, Romans 13 says, There is no governing authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. 
Nobody in this world rules with any political might unless God allows it. Doesn't particularly mean that they're doing, they're always doing his will and that he allows them, he doesn't allow them freedom to do other things. But they're not ruling except that God allows it. That ultimately God's in control, he's in charge, and he's going to see his will done, no matter who's placed into power. This guy Cyrus, this was uh, back in the 6th century. The, the children of Israel were in captivity there in Babylon, now Persia, because Cyrus was in charge now. And God used Cyrus to begin freeing the people out of exile, to let them to go back to their land. Not only that, but he was giving them treasure to be able to start rebuilding the temple back there. He gave them the chalices, the gold and things that were originally taken from the temple. And he sent them to go back to build that temple. This is what God did through a pagan king. So, so you know, he's in charge. It doesn't matter who is elected uh, this coming year. God's in charge. This was, I would offer, is a, a really strong reason why our Lord didn't allow himself to be pulled into these controversies, these political controversies, and why you shouldn't allow yourself to be pulled into these things either. Also, the second reason I would offer is that our Lord, you know, he wasn't pulled into these different, you know, uh, political parties of the day because his ultimate goal was not building into an earthly kingdom, but into this, into the kingdom of God, a more and true lasting kingdom. You know, uh, his church, the, the Catholic church, which is part, a big part of this kingdom here on this earth, but this kingdom that's even beyond this world. This is the true and lasting kingdom, more so. You know, and this doesn't mean you can't get involved in politics. You know, the church teaches that we need good Catholic politicians. It's a high and holy calling. Those who are working for the common good or caring for others. This is a beautiful calling, right? A, a calling of service. We need good Catholic leaders. We need folks to get involved politically. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's limited to what you're able to do. And, and even getting involved politically, this is not an end in itself, but it Ideally, you're doing this to ultimately not build up, you know, any particular political party, but to build up the kingdom of God, that it's serving uh, ultimately to build up this true and lasting kingdom. This is what our Lord was all about. This is why he didn't allow himself to get pulled into in these political parties per se. Uh, he was building into his kingdom. That's ultimately what we do as well. And then the third reason I would offer, more of a practical reason, is... You know, it's, it's, it doesn't make sense to get pulled into, especially some of these controversies that don't really matter. You know, when the Pharisees, the Herodians came up to Jesus and they said, hey, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? Did it really matter? What, uh, how, our, how our Lord responded, what Jesus said? I mean, you got to pay taxes either way. If you don't, they're coming in, the Romans are coming in, they're going to do a number to you. You didn't really have too much of a choice. You got to pay taxes. It doesn't matter what the Herodians think. Or, you know, what the zealots think, ultimately. This is, this is what you got to do. Uh, you know, some of these things, some of these controversies that you're tempted to get pulled into, you know, it, it doesn't really matter, uh, ultimately. There's people who, you know, fighting back and forth about uh, maybe like one of the most recent things is the synod in Rome, per se. Well, you know, what we think, what's going on, or what's not going on, it doesn't really matter, ultimately. What's going to happen is going to happen in spite of these things. This is why it says like over and over in Scripture to avoid needless controversies. 2 Timothy 
Chapter 2, have nothing to do with stupid, senseless controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. You know, it's going to be Thanksgiving in a, few, in a few weeks. You're going to be sitting down with your family, you know, and sometimes these stupid, senseless controversies come up, right? So Titus 3.9, avoid stupid controversies. Our Lord knew this, right? And he's modeling this, not getting pulled into these things. They're not really helpful, especially in this situation, what they are bringing up to him. So this I'd offer. There's probably other reasons maybe you could think of, but at least three reasons not to get you know, fully bought in to, to these things. First and foremost, you know, God's in charge. doesn't matter who's getting elected. He's ultimately in control. We can trust him. He's sovereign. Second thing is uh, we're working ultimately for a true and more lasting kingdom, one that will not fail. Nations rise and fall. The U.S. You know, uh, will rise and fall. Others will as well. We're, la- we're building into a more lasting and true kingdom, an eternal kingdom. And so it's not... Uh, that's the most important thing. And then, of course, you know, avoiding, number three, avoiding needless controversies. So as we're entering into this uh, upcoming uh, season, be okay with not being, you know, completely comfortable with one political party or another. Be okay with being politi- feeling kind of homeless uh, politically because that's really, you know, who we are as Catholics. We trust, ultimately, that God's in control, uh, that we build into his kingdom and we avoid these uh, needless controversies. Not that all are needless. Some are we need to get into, of course, but we avoid needless controversies. Building up the kingdom of God that he may be glorified. Amen.